Today, this evening, we continue on our series on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm thankful and glad that He's given me something to say. It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the glorified Christ in the heavens. We haven't come here to focus on an earthly Jesus, but the man in heaven seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. It's a weighty thing. So weighty, we're seated in heavenly places with them at this minute. So it's a real thing. We're really seated there. Today I want to consider the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. It's an important thing to understand as it has everything to do with what God is doing in salvation. This has really been muddied up in the day that we live in. The reality of the sin of mankind as it is impacted by the blood of Christ is widely presented these days in such a way that it's doing more harm than good. On both ends of the scale, no less. Some have taught this in a manner that actually robs the people of the assurance of their salvation. And others have taught this in a way that gives false assurance to wicked men walking in darkness. There are people in this world who are teaching that we will always be sinners in the eyes of God, but that somehow He overlooks it. And that's, it's okay for you to be disobedient because of what, what Christ did. They are saying things like, we are all sinners and we will never be righteous. Only God can be righteous. Or we will always sin and we cannot help but sin. Or because of what Jesus did, God can overlook your sin. What they really overlook is that the salvation of God is not for merely excusing sinners and leaving them unchanged. See, many people today, they're, they're teaching salvation as if it's some sort of admission ticket to heaven that a person with any character and any nature can possess if they make a profession and say a prayer. Although it's a gift from God and nothing we work for or deserved, it's definitely something that you have to extend yourself to take hold of. You have to, it, it involves your comprehension and your obtaining of the things that God has to offer. It's more than a profession. This is a, this is a real thing. This isn't like some magical, or this isn't some like incantation. You know, a lot of people, they're presenting Christianity like it's some sort of Eastern mysticism. I can tell people all, all day long until I am blue in the face that I am a doctor. But if I never for the rest of my life practiced medicine or had any patience, my profession really wouldn't be the truth, would it? Even if I had gone to school, even if I had gone to medical school, if I didn't practice, how could I claim to be a doctor? My profession really wouldn't be the truth. See, salvation involves more than a profession. It involves a participation. Salvation involves an intimate fellowship with God. It's a real fellowship. It's a real thing. It requires 
all of our desire. It includes all of our effort. It includes all of our person. It includes leaning the entire weight of your soul upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It can't be realized apart from that. It can't be realized apart from everything that you are. There aren't going to be any half-hearted people in heaven. There isn't going to be anybody saved that didn't offer their, their body as a living sacrifice to God. That, that's part of the transaction. It's not in your strength. That's not done in your strength. You're not earning your way to heaven. That's a response to the real salvation of God. This is what real salvation, when it's worked in a person, this is what it produces. Salvation involves the work of God met with the willing responsiveness and submission on our part to that work. Submitting to the work of God. It causes a fundamental change of nature and character through testing and purging and refining and molding and build. That's all God doing that, by the way. We're, we're submitting to it. And molding and building and overall preparing to be fit to be a vessel for glory. You're being fitted for glory currently. Doesn't that sound good? You're being fit for your inheritance in heaven, undefiled, that fades not away. He's preparing you for that right now. Are you submitting to it? It involves being saved from something to someone, by someone. And it involves nothing getting in between that transaction. The, the devil wants to get in between that transaction, believe me. It, it involves a removal from the things that once condemned us and in a real establishment. It's a real establishment in the person of Jesus Christ. Not just in word, but in truth, it's like we said earlier, it's not the kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. It's a real thing. God is actually forgiving sinners and changing them to be conformed into the image of his son. How profound is that? The, the cleansing power of the blood of Christ is a real cleansing power. Your sins really are forgiven. They're not overlooked. They're forgiven. They're removed as far as the east is from the west. That's what it says. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. To be cleansed, that means at that point in time that you confessed your sin, you were morally perfect in the eyes of God. That's the truth. It lays a groundwork for God to be able to work in you and to increase you. The salvation of God involves an understanding of the things of God. A growing comprehension of who God is. Knowing His person knowing His purpose, knowing His will. When you take hold of the salvation that God offers, you will experience these things for yourself. 
I'm sure everybody in this room right now has experienced these things in their measure for themselves. A growing comprehension of who God is. You didn't get that by your own merit. You didn't get that by your own achievement. You submitted to the one that worked in you. And see, when you, when you ultimately, when you recognize this change in yourself, and you know that God's working in you, what does that produce? It produces confidence that He's working in you. And this is ultimately why John wrote this epistle of 1 John, that we would see both what God is working in salvation and have assurance that He is in fact working it in us. Assurance isn't an optional thing, by the way. Confidence isn't like a luxury afforded to a select few. It's an essential thing to be confident. Brethren, we're going to have to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't want to be, un, uh, uh, you don't want to lack assurance when you're getting ready to die and, and go to the other side. You don't want to lack assurance at that moment. You must be convinced that God is saving you. You must be convinced that you have eternal life. You must be convinced that you're a child of the King. You must be convinced of that. The confidence for those of us who are in Christ begins with the declaration of who God is and the state we find ourselves in in relation to that declaration. And our text this day is found in 1 John 1.7. Hear the word of the Lord. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our dear Heavenly Father, this is a weighty text indeed to consider. I pray that you would tune the hearing ear and guide the seeing eye in your excellent truth during this time. I pray that I would be able to articulate this truth to the extent that I have seen it and that it would increase the body of Christ gathered here tonight and all over the world and that it would promote the members to stir up their remembrance. Lord, we thank you for all that you have given to us, all the things that pertain to life and godliness. I ask that you would give utterance to the rest of the body to form a complete thought as we enter later into our time of discussion. And we thank you for all things, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. God is a God of illumination. God is light. Wherever God is present, even the obscure things are clearly seen for what they are.
His presence reveals the hidden things of man and they are brought to light. Wherever the truth of Jesus Christ is preached, wherever the presence of God is found, it makes manifest. It really does. There is no perverse way in God. There is no shadow of turning in God. There's a sense in which God does hide Himself from sinful men. Otherwise, we, And it's really a mercy, otherwise we would be totally consumed. But speaking as a man, God doesn't have any dirty secrets. Okay, God, God is holy. God is righteous. God is pure. God is altogether lovely. He's perfect in every conceivable way. He does not need to hide his character to appear so, like men often do. There is no darkness in him. If we say that we have fellowship with him, the God of light, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If a person claims to serve the Lord but walks in the shadows, where that where that what they will do won't be discovered, they are liars. If they say that they have fellowship with the Lord, but hide how they really live from other people, they're condemned in that state. This is what Jesus said. This is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So the only reason why a person would walk in darkness is that they're seeking to hide what they're doing from God and everybody else. And yet... There are people that claim to have fellowship with the God of light while walking in the darkness. They lie and do not the truth. Those who actually do the truth don't hide their lives from others and from God. They subject what they do to divine scrutiny because what they do is the result of what they are. It's the result of what God has made them. And if if a person has a conflict there, well, I can't really, I can't really present who I am under divine scrutiny. I mean, let's just be honest. There'd be a whole lot of stuff that would surface. What, what's the remedy for that? Confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Those in the light aren't ashamed of what they do. We aren't living a lie. I'm, I'm not living a lie. This is how I live. When, when I go home and I close my door, this is how I live. When I'm in my, when I'm in my closet, this is how I live. I, there's a fellowship with God. This is how we live. In our closets, we're on our knees praying to God. When we're out of the closet, we're on our knees praying to God. We don't make excuses for how we live. 
we're living the truth. Because there's a real and constant fellowship with God in the light. We are aware that God is there. We are aware that He is watching us. We are aware that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses all the time. We're aware of that. There's a there's illumination in the light. We understand that there are principalities and powers and, and heavenly beings that are watching how we live. We're not just living for men. We're, heaven is observing how you live. Heaven is recording the things that you do. And they're written in books. And it says one day the books will be open. Everything that was done in the darkness is going to be brought to the light. It's going to be shouted from the rooftops. There is nothing hidden that will not be made manifest. He will reveal the counsels of every man's heart. Books were opened and the dead were judged, small and great, were judged according to the things written in the books. Our lives are written in the books. We do not mind being in the light because our consciences are really cleansed. Our, we're really cleansed. It's a real cleansing. We've made our garments white in the blood of the Lamb. And you, you, know, you know it. There's a clean feeling too. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Fellowship. We have fellowship with one another. And our fellowship is mutual because it's centrally located in God and Christ. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. The fellowship is a multifaceted thing. It involves both a preference for one another. We prefer God. We prefer the things of God. And it, it involves a likeness to one another. There's a unity in fellowship that is not present in just an acquaintance. See, there's a, there's a, there's a kindredness to fellowship. A person can be where Jesus is, but not have fellowship with him. Like the multitudes who were around Jesus but didn't really know Jesus. This isn't the kind of fellowship that we have. We haven't come into an acquaintance. It's, it doesn't say if we walk in the light as He is in a light, we're somewhat acquainted with Jesus. No, it says we have fellowship with one another. It's a real thing. We can see what He's doing. We speak with Him. We desire the things of God. We serve Him. We think about Him. We think like Him. We consider Him. We are mindful of Him. We follow Him. We love Him. We see Him. We are aware of Him. We know Him. We don't forget Him. We want to do these things. It's a real fellowship. This is love for God that we keep His commandments and it's not a burden. It's not a burden. It's not burdensome. It's not a burden. We have fellowship with one another. It's real fellowship and it's only found in the light. There is no fellowship with Christ in the darkness. There's no fellowship of light with dark. What fellowship has light with darkness? 
What concord has Christ with Belial? When man fell into sin, he fell into darkness. Even from Adam's transgression, mankind has been plunged in darkness. And it took God raising a people after His name to prepare the coming of a Messiah. It took thousands of years of preparation for that. It took Him humbling Himself and taking on the form of a servant and Him striving against sin and being prepared as an offering and laying down His life and He was buried and He had to ascend and He had to sit, be seated at the right hand of God and we had to have a high priest and a mediator and an intercessor. That's what it took for us to walk in the light as He is in the light. But now it's the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Now is the time. And God's prepared it. What excuse can a person possibly give for walking in darkness when the light is available? Because their deeds were evil. It's only through fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ that His blood avails anything for us. That's the effectiveness. We're in the light in fellowship with Him. And it's in that posture, that intimate posture, that His blood has effective power. And you better believe it. It really is effective, brethren. It really cleanses you. You're really clean. It's not because you said all the right things and prayed all the right prayers, but because you're personally connected to the Lord. You've been joined to the Lord. You've really been joined to Him in the light. And we must all, every, every man, every single person on this earth is on a collision course with a holy and a righteous God. Let's just be right up front with everybody. Everybody's on a, at one point in time, the heavens and the earth are going to pass away. Everything's going to be rolled up like a garment. The former things are going to be passed away and the, and everyone's going to come face to face with a righteous and a holy God. And we've got to be ready to stand before Him in that time. And if your conscience tells you that you're not perfect, God's greater than it. And He knows all things. And you will not be able to stand before Him. A conscience can only be defiled by walking in darkness. The light makes manifest that it's defiled. When you are washed by Jesus repenting of your sin. At that point in time, you are absolutely clean in the sight of God, having fellowship with Him. The goal then is to stay clean. Amen. Keep your garments. And many, many people say that this is impossible. I'm not saying that they say this because they're like hard-hearted apostates and they're, and they're trying to deceive the nations. That's not why they're saying this. They're saying this because they don't understand they haven't been brought to a point of understanding and all they're doing is simply reciting their own experience. They're simply reciting their own experience with continually failing, continually falling back in the sin. But there's liberty from that. Here's what the Scriptures tell us. If we walk in the light, as He is in, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. 
and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. That is, if we do the things that we know we should do, there is a fellowship with Jesus in that. It's a personal fellowship that you experience. And in that, a cleansing takes place. When we seek to do the right thing, all peripheral sin that we are unaware of is absolutely covered. Brethren, the definition of sin is broad. And the closer we get to God, the more we understand that. Even though it says that the thought of foolishness is sin. How many times have you had a foolish thought just pop into your mind? We live in a body of sin. We live in a body of sin and death. Anybody who's really sincere can say, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You'll have a thought that'll pop up into your head in the middle of a prayer meeting. You'll marvel how you can think some of the things that you think in a given day. You've got to fight against it. And you wish you never had that thought. This is what he says. You walk in the light as he is in the light. The blood of Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. In that posture, the blood of Christ cleanses you from all sin that you are currently unaware of that results from living in a body of sin. It's important to understand this because if not, Satan has the upper hand and mark my words, it will affect your confidence if you don't understand that. But, if we willingly sin, that's, that's yielding to a temptation, which you can only do. You can only yield to a temptation by leaving the light and walking in the darkness. That's the only way that you can willingly, you have to leave the presence of Jesus to willingly commit sin. Yes. Amen. Unless we repent, we remain defiled walking in the darkness. Because there's no sacrifice for those who are willing to sin. There's no sac- there's, there is no sacrifice for those who are willing to walk away from the Lord and willing to continue in a life of sin. There's no, there's no more sacrifice for sin if that's the case. In which case, you must be given over to repentance again. And change your mind about what you did. If you willingly sin, in order to be delivered from that, you're going to have to change your mind about what you did. I shouldn't have done that. I'm not willing. If I could have gone back, I wouldn't have been willing to do that. See, there's a sacrifice for that. There's a sacrifice for people that don't want to sin anymore. There's a sacrifice for that. But here's the kicker. There's no guarantee that those who willingly give themselves over to sin will want to repent later. That's the kicker. That's the danger. That's why it says exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceiving. It has a hardening effect on your heart. A person can sin and get and get to be so calloused and hardened that he could care less if he repents. Brethren, let it never be said of any of us that we ever fell into that category. We know that it exists. We, we understand that it exists, but we have been given every provision to not fall into that category. 
We've been given, we have an advocate with the Father. If you've sinned and you're sorry you've sinned, go to Him, confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He said, I will in no wise cast him out. Those, those who come under, un, come under me, I will in no wise. Nobody can ever beat a path to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. And him say, sorry. Jesus doesn't do that. He, all who come to him, whosoever will may come. Are you willing? And come. Have you have you strayed away from the Lord? Well, come on back. Come on back. The Lord is merciful. He's ready to forgive. He's ready. The Lord is merciful and gracious, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. He's merciful. The Lord is looking for more of a reason to save you than to condemn you. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments. You can do that. You can keep your garments. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments. They took a hold of what the Lord offered them. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. You, you, have, you can do that. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You can do that. You can keep yourself unspotted from the world. The Lord has provision for you to do so. God had formed a man. He breathed in him and gave him life and set him in the garden. T'was very good now in his sight. And dominion gave he to the man. Every tree for food was given. Save one, save for one tree there upon the edge, the fruit it was forbidden. But it wasn't long until the woman deceived to take a bite. And it wasn't long and Adam sinned by listening to his wife. Just one offense and by it sin now came into creation and bringing death to all a weighty sentence of damnation. The curse of sin would reign in men, be passed down to the rest of all mankind and Adam born the law of sin and death. For time progressed this sinful flesh that worked in man from birth had expressed itself until all flesh was violent on the earth. Just how bad is sin? You ask, for who can rightly weigh this? Consider how it made our Maker sorry that He made us. It grieved our God, who made us in His image now corruption. So He sent a deluge on the earth for sinful flesh swift destruction. But in His mercy saved a man, one of eight upon the earth. He would not abandon everything, for He still had more to work. You think that men never again would dare consent to sin, but the flesh you see still seeks a way where sin can enter in. So our God, he formed a people for himself and Israel named and gave a code of conduct, a law, perhaps sin could now be contained. But they did not keep the law, they said. They all agreed to do. Oh, how this bondage proved itself as all men really knew. 
But even if a man could keep all the law that God had given, how could all his past transgression ever be forgiven? Now God rightly showed himself. He was certainly not like us. For the law had shown us all that we were guilty and unrighteous. In light of this, it's good to ask. Now every man this question. Oh, how can anyone be saved if no unrighteous go to heaven? It must include provision for us, once old to be made new. And this is exactly what God the Father has now purposed in Christ to do. For by Adam's one offense entered a dark and sinful blight, there enters now a righteousness by the obedience of Christ. And all now who believe in him receive power now over sin, and mankind can be born again, which changes us now all within. He changes us inside ourselves and gives us a new heart, a longing for the day when we will never be apart. With holy lusts and godly trusts and divine aspirations, the old is passed away and now we all are new creations. And as creations all made new, we do what new creations do. We love and pray and trust and obey. We look above and we live that way. We're in the day, not in the night. We're in the truth. We're in the light. And all because of that one man who came to earth and took a stand and obeyed the Father unto death, that we by his cross may enter rest. Rest from our works that couldn't save us, for rest in his finished work is our basis. And we are cleansed and spotless while we walk now in the light. By faith we're staying clean, and we keep our garments in his sight. We go to him, we're free from sin doing only what is right. We thank the Lord who did afford this cleansing power and his might. Thank you, brethren.